When you're looking back at the Second World War as the good old days, you know you're in deep ration coupons. Korea, deep kimchi. Watts, deep trouble. The kind of trouble based in lies, manipulation, and intimidation at home. Well, stand tall, because this too shall pass, and your path to better times is paved with the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your master of the yellow brick road is Dan Newman. (laughs) The yellow brick road, we hope, leads us to Oz, whoever the heck Oz is. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday of Christmas week. We have an exciting few days in front of us, especially if there are kids involved. Now, come on. You either have young kids or you have young grandchildren. Remember, Christmas is about our babies. And I don't know about you, but my babies are not baby babies. 42 years old is my youngest. We have three, the oldest of which is 70. (laughs) Can you believe I said that? If she's listening by chance this morning, she's going to kill me. (laughs) She's 47. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to start the show. Talk about, I'm not even 70. Talk about a daughter being 70-something. Oh, my gosh. I just stepped in it. You don't understand if you don't have daughters. If you do, you do understand, and you laugh at the same time I did. Oh, well. But we have grandbabies now. Our grandbabies are in high school. One left in middle school. We have twins and one boy that are in high school. They're juniors. I can't believe they're juniors. They're going to be seniors next year. They are just growing up so fast. We have a wonderful family. We have great relationships among us. I got to be honest with you. I don't remember when there was any kind of fight that floated around that kept us from getting together. I guess we learned a long time ago, when you have issues, which you're going to have, you just work your way through them, and you're surely not going to find resolution if you just turn around and say, I don't, don't want to talk to him. I don't want to talk to her. And then even if you do get together, you just glare at each other. <laughs> For some reason, our daughters have kept that from happening through the years. Our daughters are 16 months apart. Now, what what does that mean? They grew up as best friends. They still are. They still are 45 and 47 years old. They're best friends. And there's a cousin in the loop, first cousin, and they all grew up together. They're like the pack rats. They grew up together, literally. We live two blocks away from each other. And so they were always at our house or they were already at the other's house. That's just part of being close. Close is a really good place to live when you're talking about relationships. Let me just just give you a little piece of advice. This is probably the best time of the year to make amends with those you love over problems that you had in the past. It's probably the worst time of year to live when there's discourse in your family and in those who you're close with. Settle all of those things before Sunday. 
If you do, Sunday will be a whole lot better, even if you're thousands of miles apart. Get on the phone. If it's your mom, if it's your dad, if it's that wayward son that just decided he was going to go do his own thing, call him, Mom. Call him, Dad, and have a conversation and just tell him how much you love him and that you don't want to fight. You want to get along, find a a safe place for everybody to live in. I can't tell you what difference it makes. It really made a big difference in my life. I lived with anger and unforgiveness for many years from my father who left, by the way, on December 22nd, 1969. Mom and I, 50 miles away from anybody we knew. And it took me until, let's see, I'm 69. It took me until I was about 45 years old to understand you got to bury the hatchet, Dad. Well, what if he doesn't accept my apologies? Doesn't matter what he does. All that matters is what you do. We're the ones that have total responsibility over our anger and unforgiveness if it's there. What good is it going to do you to keep it? It's certainly not going to change anything. There is not going to be any reconciliation in any relationship you have if you're not at least communicating. And oh, by the way, try this novel idea. I'm going to give you a few words that you can say that I guarantee will break down the walls. Tell them you're sorry. Well, Dan, I didn't do anything. There are two sides to every story. Yours is usually half right, half wrong. Theirs is usually half right, half wrong. Even if those aren't the exact numbers, it's not exactly 50-50, what good is it going to do to keep the unforgiveness and the anger there? Let it go. Let it go. This is the perfect time of year to do just that. Why don't you do this? Get them on the phone. Talk about good things. Talk about the really good things of Christmas. And it's not just about gift giving. It's about relationships with others and with God. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you.
talking about getting our relationship straight, clearing the air, saying I'm sorry. I got to think that song you just heard should put all of that in perspective for us. I'll tell you this. I'm no prophet. I'm no foreteller. (laughs) I'm no super smart person. But if you got your head and heart right with God, pretty much all the other stuff finds a way to work itself out. If you haven't already, why don't you just think about starting there? Wow, wouldn't it be a great time of year to do that? And if you need some input about how to start it, you know, there are people all around you that want to help you if you want to be helped. And if you don't know anybody, I don't care where you live, drop me a drop me an email, dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. If you want to talk a little bit through text or email, I'm glad to do it. And if you'd like to get plugged in with somebody where you live, tell me where you live and I'll find somebody. Plug you in there. After all, Truth News Network, TNN Live is all about you and me. It's not all about me. It's about you and me. And just about all of that, I... uh, I just exchanged texts with our Tuesday morning co-host for the second hour, Steve Baker. (laughs) You're going to love this. Um, We normally talk the night before, the day before, that would be Monday, about our topic for the second hour. You know, he was up there, gosh, 21 weeks, long, long time, in the Oath uh, Oath Keepers trial. He had those five Oath Keepers that were on trial together. He sent me this note this morning. I can't discuss what I'm doing, but we can discuss that. (laughs) Now, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, he's back in D.C., he said. (laughs) Earlier, I said, what's going on? And he said, I'm back in D.C. again this morning. And I said, what's the D.C. agenda? And he said, I can't discuss what I'm doing, but we can discuss that. (laughs) Ha. So now he's piqued my interest. I'm sure he's piqued yours. This is the guy that's plugged in. He's a true investigative journalist, and uh, he works with us extensively. He's all over the map when it comes to finding things that are really important that almost always the facts are hidden. And, I mean, we're talking about Washington, D.C. There's a plethora of hidden stuff up there 
that we could talk about. Anyway, we're going to segue from that into the latest Twitter file dump, Twitter file number seven. Let me just be honest with you. (laughs) Elon Musk has opened Pandora's box. There is no question about it. I don't think anybody in our government, anybody in the FBI, and I guarantee you it's way, way deeper and wider than just the FBI. Let's call it the intelligence community. Although intelligence in that perspective and the things we're finding out is not a good word to call them. We could call them bureaucrat seekers, maybe. But they're not really smart if they didn't think this stuff that they've been doing supposedly in the dark of night with Twitter was never going to be revealed or exposed. Maybe they knew it would be. And maybe they're just so arrogant, so self-serving that they say, ah, what the heck, it doesn't matter. Nobody will ever hold us accountable. I can tell you this. These Republicans, and I talk to one in particular pretty regularly, Congressman Mike Johnson from the 4th Congressional District, they are ready to come out with guns a-blazing. Now, if they don't come out with guns blazing, somebody has misrepresented what's going on there. If you've listened and heard Kevin McCarthy, it's going to be the Speaker of the House. If you've heard him talk about what's going to happen, he is the guy that's loaded all the guns. And they're ready. And i got to be honest with you, there is no way... I will ever be satisfied, nor will any other real conservative. And I don't care if you're a Democrat conservative or a Republican conservative. If we don't get this mess fixed in the FBI, the United States will never be anything but an autocratic entity at best, a totalitarian country at worst. What the FBI is doing and has been doing, at least with Twitter, who knows who else. But you can bet your bippy if all this is happening with the FBI and they're doing what they've done with Twitter, why would they not try to do it with every other social media giant out there? Now, who would that include? Companies like Facebook? What about Google? What about Apple? Oh my gosh. Can you imagine what kind of shenanigans there's probably going on between the FBI and those other companies? Just think about your life in and with those names that I mentioned. Google, how many times a day do you do do an internet search? I don't use Google. I use DuckDuckGo. And if I can't find what I'm looking for specifically as a last resort, I will go to Google, and there you go. I'm using it. How many times do you use YouTube? You're going to hear me using YouTube this morning on this show. I'm looking (laughs) right now. I'm looking into the face of my iMac on which this entire show is produced every day. 
You'll hear me talk to Steve Baker and any of you, if you want to call in before and talk about what we're discussing on an iPhone. I'm watching our audience participation on a Mac, on an iPad Air. And I do about 50% of my show prep on a MacBook Pro. That's Apple. Think about how involved you and I are on these companies. Maybe you're not a Twitter person. I wasn't and am not a big Twitter person. I am less and less in these days on Facebook. I, through the years, have done a lot of stuff, a lot of my writing published on Facebook. But I use it less and less. I'm not an Instagram person. That involves pictures, and I don't do good in pictures. And I don't have time to do a bunch of pictures with other people. So I'm not into Instagram. But I'm into Apple. I'm into Google and YouTube. I guarantee the FBI is up to their eyeballs in all of those that we mentioned, and certainly many others. Here's the problem. There's still going to be Democrats. Democrats will control the Senate. I know the House has dollars and cents oversight of every department of the government. They can handicap these departments. They can hold them liable. They can have these people come in and give sworn testimony under oath. But you've seen what happens. That process takes typically Years, if something's ever going to come out of it after the meetings and the questioning takes place. And all the wrongdoers, the evil people, they know that. They know that. So they ignore it. They ignore you and me. Have you wondered what they were going to say about this Twitter thing? We'll have that in our second hour with Steve Baker comes. We'll talk about that. But let me point something out at the top of the show. We're gonna, let me tell you what's ahead in the first part of the show. We're going to talk about where we stand today in the illegal immigration debacle. We're going to do that. Tucker Carlson, last night, he weighed in with a really good perspective. You're going to hear from Tucker Carlson. But before we go down that road and before we get in in our second hour, with the things that Steve Baker and I are going to talk about regarding Twitter, you do realize that uh, the inflation numbers just came out a couple of days ago. And it was better, no question about it. Now, it's still up there where it's almost unbearable for us to endure, but it looks like maybe, just maybe, it's coming down. But let me just blow your britches off this morning and tell you there was some shenanigans going on, not about the inflation numbers, but the release of those numbers and the timing of the release of those numbers to the American people. And maybe, just maybe, somebody got a look-see behind the curtain and realized, hey, that number... It's going to look really good to people like, oh, those monsters on Wall Street. So maybe I ought to jump the gun 
and find a way to make some dough, which is, by the way, illegal. It's called insider trading. You think that may have happened? Let's get to this little bit of a financial mystery that is quite interesting. This is crazy. Crazy, has huge implications. And that, by the way, the White House is totally downplaying. So we had, um, let's go ahead and put this up on the screen. The consumer price index data came out, okay? Was released at 8.30. At 8.29, one minute before that data ultimately dropped, there were huge market moves. So you can see that on this chart. The giant spike there that you see uh, in the markets going way up, that spike happens between 829 and 830. So again, that uh, inflation data, which showed sort of lower than expected inflation, which was, you know, people took as a really good sign, took as a sign, oh, okay, the Fed is not going to continue to hike rates. This is going to be good for us. That data drops at 830 and the market is already moved most of what it's going to do at 829. Okay, the White House, they say, brushed off those concerns over a leak of this information, calling it minor market movements, but stock and treasury futures made major moves. So basically the allegation is these people knew what was coming. Somehow they got tipped off to this information that should not have been public to everybody until 830. Because of course, if you get a jump on that data, well, you're in a position to cheat. You're in a position to have forward knowledge that is not supposed to be public and be able to benefit from that in advance. So how do you explain the fact that there were thousands of moves made before this data officially releases? Let's put the next piece up on the screen. This is from Bloomberg. Um, this is about, you know, the White House is dismissing these moves. Um, but just to give you a sense of how significant uh, this market movement was that they're downplaying as being minor. Stock futures suddenly spiked more than 1%. Trading in treasury futures surged, pushing benchmark yields lower by about four basis points. Those are major moves in such a short period of time, bigger than full session swings on plenty of days. Um, people are saying regulators really need to look into this. Uh, to give you a few more specifics here, over that 60-second span between 829 and 830, over 13,000 March 10-year futures traded hands during a period when activity is usually non-existent. So 13,000 futures traded hands when normally that number would have been pretty close to zero. So listen, people got, somehow they got word of this beforehand. That is certainly what it looks like. They asked the uh, the agency that puts out this information and what they said, Sagar, is like, listen, to our knowledge, there was no leak, but by, um, by law or by regulation, we have to distribute this info to a variety of government officials. So the idea is, somebody's getting paid to give out this information early and or, you know, they're having somebody buy for them ahead of time so that they're able to get a jump on the information, too. But somehow the word got out there. It's just no other explanation for this. What bothers me is actually the lack of media scrutiny on this. So I actually recall a really crazy example was when Trump was president. So the president, by law, actually gets the BLS numbers early. And he tweeted something where he was like, Big news coming tomorrow, very good, which traders could have assumed was the BLS data, yeah. and they were trading based upon that information. A lot of people freaked out because they were like, well, oh my gosh, Like Trump is violating the sacrosanct principle that we should keep these numbers secret up until the day of. Well, look, 
there's only a couple of people who get this info. The White House Chief of Staff, the President, the Secretary of the Treasury, the uh, uh, Labor Secretary, and then presumably whoever the guy is who brings the folder over to the White House. One of them talked. It's, listen, 13,000 futures, 1% rally. It doesn't happen. Yeah. These people, you think they're ga- gamble multi-billion dollars based upon nothing? They're not that stupid. They know what they're doing whenever they want to make a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. And so I'll look at this. It is so clear that there was some leak. And I think it's insane that the White House is not attacking this. Because Agreed. here's the thing. Maybe it wasn't Biden, but maybe it was. Maybe he was on the phone to an advisor. And he was like, hey, you know, we got great news tomorrow uh, to a friend to a family member, someone just saying, you know, we got great news coming He's out known tomorrow. known for not having rhetorical I'm so discipline. excited. You, you know, CPI is going to show X. That person calls a broker, broker calls someone. Next thing you know, the word is out on Wall Street. That's a federal crime. That's insider trading. Like, you have to go to jail. And I'm not even saying that there was necessarily nefarious intent. Somebody overhears something here. Somebody overhears something there. You call somebody because you're privy to something. That's a major violation of the chain of custody yeah. on sacred information like this, which trillions of dollars in market value can be won or lost based upon it. So think about that. What do you think the odds are that it just happened? Well... I mean, you heard the the experts, and those are trading experts that you just heard. Crystal and Sager, it's a podcast regarding financial activity. Just think about how many trades were made in a 30-second time period. Those trades all had to be ramped up and orca- orchestrated and put in line to trade the night before. I don't for a minute think that it just accidentally happened. And if you do, you're crazy. It was orchestrated. It was put out. It's Christmas time. Year end is just around the corner. And all of this happened 13,000 futures trades. You know what that is? Futures are call or put options, or selling short or selling long. And what you're doing when you purchase those financial instruments that I just named, you're betting at some future point, it's either going the particular stock or financial instrument that you're you're uh, spending the money on is either going to get better or worse, at a particular period of time in the future. And in this case, you can bet those options were all call options, which means you're betting that those stock prices are going to go up between the day that you buy that call option, which would have been at, at between 8.29 and 8.30 that morning. Excuse me, 8.29 and... Um, yeah, 8.30 that morning to take advantage of the good financial news that was going to come out 30 seconds later that would tell everybody, hey, 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 looks like inflation is going down. We're headed towards fertile ground. Bam. Wait a minute. You didn't know about that? Nobody told you about that? You didn't get a chance to call your broker? And say, look, I just got some news from oh, the White House. Have a friend of 
that has a friend of a friend that works there, and they said the inflation news is going to be released at 8.30 in the morning is great. Don't get your panties in a wad. It happens. Most of the time, stuff like that happens. We never hear about it. We don't know anything about it. We can't get excited about it, and certainly nothing can be done about it. And even when you hear about it, you know about it. And I mean, you would think the FBI would be on the phone of the White House. Hey, what's going on down there? Insider trading going on. The information has to come through the White House. We want to investigate. We want to come interview all of the workers in the White House. Do you think for a second Christopher Ray, FBI director, even thought about making such a call? I guarantee he was probably involved in it. What do you mean, the FBI director? You don't trust Christopher Ray? I wish I could use a bunch of expletives in front of the word no. Do you get how I really feel about the FBI director? Do you understand how I feel about the top floor of the J. Edgar Hoover building in D.C., which is where the FBI works and the top floor is where all the Christopher Ray sycophants all work up there? I don't mean what I'm about to say literally, but figuratively, I wish that floor would blow up. In other words, all those people would be exposed for their wrongdoing and they would be prosecuted, kicked out of their jobs, and whatever penalties for their illegal actions would be meted out upon them. That's what I mean when I say blow it up. Nothing's going to happen. There are a bunch of people that are going to clap each other on the back and say, wow, that was great what we just did. Man, when you get some more of that information, any kind of that, make sure you call me. I'll make it worth your while. That went on the night before. Hundreds of conversations like that. That's a Biden administration. Do you think we have a new president in 2024 that's going to change that kind of stuff do you think it only happened this week (laughs) it happens all the time cheaters gonna cheat haters gonna hate any presidential administration is gonna have some people in it that are just questionable and speaking of presidential administrations. Have you thought about, really thought deeply about 2024 and who the candidates are going to be? Who did the American people want in the White House? Do we want Joe Biden back? Do we want another old guy, Donald Trump there? Bernie Sanders? Or maybe we want some young guys. We have a couple of them hanging out there that I think would like to make a run. One's on the West Coast and one's on the East Coast. Who are they? In both parties, there's a demand for a new generation of political leaders. Donald Trump will be 78 at the next presidential election. Joe Biden will be 82. Bernie Sanders will be 83. Maybe it's time to bring on the 40 or 50-somethings. California Governor Gavin Newsom. All right, well, he will be 57 in 2024. He is laying out his case on the Democrat side. Earlier this week, he actually went to the border 
and, of course, promptly blamed the Republicans for the mess. California is a sanctuary state. It's been welcoming illegals for years. But now the surge is just somebody else's fault. Newsom is also big on reparations for slavery. They're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for every descendant of enslaved Africans. He's super green, banning any and all drilling. He is vigorously pro-union, loves government spending, and has given illegals subsidized health care he's running. For the Republicans, Florida Governor DeSantis is the front-runner. He will be just 46 in 2024. He's not declared his candidacy, but with his state performing so well, he is ideally positioned to make a run. If Newsom runs on the performance of his state, that's Newsom, he's toast. But DeSantis has taken on woke school boards, mask mandates, vax mandates. He's embarrassed and infuriated Democrats by flying illegals to Martha's Vineyard. Florida's economy is absolutely booming, and to top it all off, DeSantis bucked the national trend with a landslide Republican win in November. If this is the choice, it's a stark choice. Newsom and DeSantis are almost direct opposites. So have at it. Let's see if America wants the new generation of politicians to be Californian or Floridian. And Stuart Varney didn't bring up at least any part of the conversation other than a casual mention. What about Donald Trump? What about the orange man? The American people want him back? I think if that question was asked and it had a a few more details in it, it wasn't just, do you think they want Donald Trump back? I would think if you put in a little more detail about, well, because Trump did this and Trump did that, didn't do this, didn't do that, we want him back. Obviously, he brings some baggage. Obviously, the two that were mentioned, Ron DeSantis and California Governor Newsom, they bring baggage to the table. We don't know very much about the baggage they have because they haven't been in office yet. You go live in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the light's going to shine on you, my friend, and everything you've done when you were born until today is going to be a matter of public record. And if there's anything bad there, it's going to be discovered and disclosed. You can bet that will happen. So I guess it boils down to this. Do you want another old guy or maybe one of the previous old guys? Or do you want a young guy? And you notice I said, guy, there is no, right now, there is no female Uh-oh, you can't say it female, Dan. Don't you get it right? Get it right. Say it right. There's no person that may have been born with a biological tendency toward female. And I'm still probably wrong when I say that. But there is none that's in the big picture right now. So we're just talking about guys. Ron DeSantis talking about Gavin Newsom, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders. Uh, My mouth gets dry. When I think about any of these guys, and don't get me wrong, Trump was, if not the most, one of the most amazing presidents in office that I've ever had or seen in my lifetime. He got more stuff done for the American people. 
and he bucked the big evil things like we talk about almost every day here. Do you think he knew anything about what was going on at the FBI? He thought it was there because of what happened to him. And as the little tidbits and pieces during the Russia investigation came to light that the FBI was really involved in that, he knew they were involved and he knew they were evil. But there wasn't anything he could do. You can't fire everybody at the FBI. You just can't do it. It's too big. And there are too many moving pieces of the jobs that they're involved in just to go in with a, uh, a riot shotgun and send them all packing. I'm sure everybody, most everybody now would like to do that when all these new revelations come out and we realize just how evil is the FBI. What about the other branches of the intelligence community? All of those things are up in the air, and something else big is happening, and it's happening down at our southern border. Last night, Tucker Carlson, he just laid it out, folks. He laid it out. Now, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go hear from Tucker, but we're going to listen to this first. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Gonna do the same one. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic GSSV shocks, so it's just gonna be that much more of a fun truck. You wanna go a little faster? Go for it. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. One of America's greatest truth finders is at Fox News. He's Tucker Carlson. He has the, um, what does he have? He has the 7 o'clock. So that would mean Hannity's at 8. Laring, that's right. Tucker Carlson is one of those guys that he is a digger. He's a researcher. And when he sees something that is important to him, He realizes it's important to his family. 
It's important to all of those that he knows and every American. And one of the big things Tucker has zeroed in on of late is this invasion. Yeah, it is an invasion at our southern border. And last night, he really broke it down. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. The contrast between El Paso, Texas and Juarez, Mexico has always been one of the great advertisements for America and for the American way. The cities have a lot in common. They're literally right next to each other. They're separated by one of the narrowest stretches of the Rio Grande River by feet. From downtown El Paso, you can see downtown Juarez. And the populations are not that different. Most people in El Paso have relatives in Mexico. The difference is one city is American and one is not. El Paso has always been tranquil and orderly, a really nice town with good schools and friendly people you would move there. Juarez is terrifying, chaotic, impoverished, dangerous. In 2010, Juarez recorded more than 3,000 murders. In El Paso, just yards away, there were five. So on one side of the river, you had a high-functioning civilization, ours, and on the other side, you had the third world. And the success of El Paso said everything about the superiority of the American system and American culture. But two years ago, Joe Biden set out to change that. It was an offense against equity. They were too different. But instead of fixing Juarez, he decided to destroy El Paso and make it much more like Juarez. To do that, the administration opened America's southern border to the world. No place in our country was hit harder by that decision than El Paso, Texas. In the last year, illegal immigration into El Paso has risen by over 280%. Hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals streaming in. Jobless, penniless, anonymous. What happened next? You know what happened next the most predictable disaster in the world. Crime skyrocketed, social cohesion collapsed, test scores in local schools plummeted, and the city began to fall apart. People who grew up in El Paso started to leave in large numbers. This is what it looks like now. It's a chilly December night in El Paso, Texas, and these migrants are homeless, camping on the streets, preparing for a night of bitter cold after they were released from Border Patrol custody. The migrant surge also overwhelming local shelters as this unprecedented crisis seems headed for a potential breaking point with Title 42 set to drop next week. And there is no reprieve coming as new Fox News video shows over 1,000 migrants camped at the border wall in El Paso last night, waiting to be let in for processing after they crossed the Rio Grande illegally. CBP sources tell Fox News the El Paso sector has already seen over 139,000 migrant encounters since October 1st. That's enough to fill up L.A.'s SoFi Stadium twice, and it reflects a 255% increase over the same time last year. Imagine if that was your city, your city, where you work and raised your family, the city that you built And then one day some guy gets elected and decides to destroy it and the media ignore it. No one even covers it. Most Americans have no idea your city has been destroyed. And it's not just downtown and the shelters, it's the airport. The window into El Paso, in case you haven't flown there recently, here's what it looks like. People seem to be camping on the floor of the place. Looks like the train station in post-partition Calcutta. But at least they had a war to blame it on. There's no war in Texas except the war the White House declared on its own country. This footage comes from Katie Davis Court of Rebel News, whom we'll talk to in a moment. 
is I just landed in El Paso, Texas, and here at the El Paso airport is an influx of illegal immigrants sleeping on the airport floors. Take a look at what's happening here in the airport. Donde son? Peru? Peru. Everyone? Donde son? Donde son? Dominicana. Dominican? Dominicana? Donde son? Colombia. That's the airport. They're not waiting for flights. They're living there. And they're not from Mexico or even El Salvador and Guatemala. They're from, as you just heard, Colombia, Peru, the Dominican Republic, an island. These are countries thousands of miles away, to which we owe nothing. There's no reason for this. There are 7 million American men of working age who are not working. They're on the internet all day. They have nothing to do. And yet we're doing this. The mayor of El Paso, Oscar Leeser, has just declared a state of emergency, and you can see why. We felt there was proper time today to call a state of emergency. And the reason why we're doing it is because I said from the beginning that I would call it when I felt that either our uh, asylum seekers or our community was not safe. And I really believe that today our asylum seekers are not safe as we have hundreds and hundreds on the streets. El Paso wasn't like this just a few years ago. Ask anyone who went there. So the question is, why isn't the state of Texas stopping this? Where's the Texas National Guard? A few months ago, Greg Abbott, the governor, was running for office. He was running against Beto O'Rourke, and he was willing to say anything to get reelected. He was willing to lie, and apparently he did. He said he'd deploy 10,000 troops to the border. Oh, but he hasn't. He just revised it to 5,000 troops. And then he came up with another solution, just bust thousands of migrants to other states, which is kind of funny. It makes for an amusing cable news segment, but it's still our country, isn't it? And none of these people are ever leaving. This is an invasion of our country. We don't have a border. And Greg Abbott could stop it, and he isn't. So why isn't the Texas National Guard stopping this? Stopping this? We can't answer that question. We'd love to have Greg Abbott come on and tell us. But because Texas isn't securing the border, the rest of the country is also overrun with people from foreign countries who have no right to be here and whose identity we don't know. At exactly the moment, we do not need a larger population as our economy moves south. This is what Denver, Colorado, a long way from the border, looks like now. With several shelters already at capacity, Mayor Michael Hancock said more are needed to house migrants. More than 900 have arrived in Denver in the past several months. More coming every day. So let me be frank. This influx of migrants, the anticipated nature of their arrival, and our current space and staffing challenges have put an immense strain on city resources to the level where they're on the verge of reaching a breaking point. That's in Denver. Again, a long way from our southern border. This is the biggest story in recent American history. A total change in the American population. Millions and millions and millions of new people. The country will never be what it was five years ago. Even if you're for this, you would acknowledge this is a big deal. And it's completely ignored by the media, except when they are forced to respond 
and they tell you to shut up and stop complaining. On ABC News, someone called Martha Raddatz argued that actually it's people who are against immigration who are to blame for the immigration crisis because they're talking about it and therefore advertising it to the rest of the world. Watch this. You talk about the border wall. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. But people I have heard say it are you, are former President Trump, or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message that it is an open border, and smugglers use all those kinds of statements. You do fervently wish, say, 25,000 Haitians would move to Martha Raddatz's neighborhood tonight. Maybe she'd give different coverage. But until that happens, and since they've been deported from Martha's Vineyard and all the places people like Martha Raddatz live, the Democratic Party is, well, able to continue lying. Here's Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio explaining that really only racists and crazed conspiracy nuts care about the border. You know there's a lot of folks in the middle who are not very empathetic to, to what's happening at the border. How do you change the tone of that conversation to get them to accept a compromise, like the one that Cinnamon tell us we're trying to put together? I, I think they will. I think my voters are in Ohio reasonable, and I, um, we're, a, we're a slightly lean Republican state now. I don't, I don't hear a lot about immigration from voters except people on the far right that, that always want to gain political um, advantage by talking about it. It's amazing. That's Sherrod Brown, supposed populist from Ohio, a guy who cares about the little guy and displaced factory workers and those seven million working age American men who aren't working and are playing video games and watching porn all day. That's your country. Sherrod Brown was elected because he claimed to care about them. And in fact, it wasn't that long ago that Sherrod Brown was down at the border declaring a humanitarian crisis because people were living in cages, people from other countries. Now that same Sherrod Brown says you're not allowed to talk about anything that's happening at the border. People camping on streets or at the airport? You also, by the way, can't talk about conditions inside migrant detention centers anymore because they've got a Democratic president now. Texas Representative Tony Gonzalez just went to one. He shot the footage you're seeing on your screen now. That's a detention center in El Paso. It was intended to hold about 1,000 people. There are now more than 4,000 inside of it. They're about to be let out onto the street of El Paso. Does Sherrod Brown care? What does Martha Raddatz think of this? Again, let's hope every one of these people winds up in their neighborhood. What we see happening in El Paso, even at the airport, these illegals are living in the El Paso airport. Almost the same thing in Denver, Colorado, obviously not a border state. Let me, let me just tell you this. If Joe Biden is allowed to continue to ignore the law, Ignore the law. Now, you keep saying that, Dan. What law are you talking about? Well, here's just one of them. 8 U.S. Code 1325, Part A. In proper time or place, avoidance of examination or inspection, misrepresentation, and concealment of facts. Here's what it says. Any alien who, one, enters or attempts to enter the United States at any time or place other than as designated by immigration officers, or two, eludes examination or inspection by immigration officers, 
or three, attempts to enter or obtains entry to the United States by a willfully false or misleading representation or the willful concealment of a material fact shall, for the first commission of any such offense, be fined under Title 18 or imprisoned not more than six months or both, and for a subsequent commission of any such offense, be fined under Title 18 or imprisoned not more than two years or both. That's just one of them. There's a host of federal immigration laws, and Joe Biden doesn't enforce a single one and laughs about them. And of course, if any, if you ask any of the legacy media folks about why is this happening, they say very demonstratively, ah, oh, you know, it's those Republicans. They won't get together with us in Congress and help us do meaningful immigration reform. We need immigration reform. I heard a great explanation about this this morning. If you have a big leak, let's say you've got a, uh, a bathtub that's got a bad leak in it, and it's an upstairs bathtub, so you know it's creating really difficult problems. The water's getting higher and higher, and you've got the drain open, but it's not, it, it's it's much worse. There's more water coming in than water's going out through the drain. So what do you do? Well, they tell you, hey, um, just start bailing the water out of the tub. Just take care of that and forget about filling it up, what's filling it up. How do you fix it? The first thing you do is turn the water off. And then you fix what's going on that's causing the problem to happen. Your tub's not draining. You don't leave the water running while you're trying to fix the tub problem, right? Democrats live by that philosophy. You just leave the water on and you make a cursory attempt to fix the drain problem in the tub. That's the Joe Biden world. That's the Alejandro Mayorkas world. That's Democrats in Congress. That's the way they're going to fix all of this. And you and I both know none of it's going to be fixed. This administration's not going to fix any of this thing. It's not at all. Well, Steve Baker will be coming up just a few minutes, top of the hour. We told you he'll be with us, as he is every Tuesday at 10 o'clock Central Time. And he's back in D.C. And I must be honest with you, I don't have a clue what he's back in D.C. for. And uh, so we exchanged texts early this morning And he told me, well, I'm back in D.C., but I can't talk about it. But what I can talk about is why I can't talk about it. (laughs) He's got me thinking, what the heck is going on? I don't know about you. He'll be here. And we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to just morph right into the Twitter, Twitter files dump number seven that happened yesterday. 
And I've launched into an examination of some of it overnight, some pretty significant things in there. And you can't get it all at one time. You have to carefully read it, and it references some other things, and then you got to go find out what those other things are before you can come up with a story. Actually, let me confess to you and tell you, about 5 o'clock this morning, I was doing my usual cursory search around the Internet to find the news stories, and I wanted to have a, um, a bullet point kind of presentation for you this morning about here are the important things in Twitter file dump number seven. I couldn't find anybody. Couldn't find a single soul that had done that. Why is that? Well, I can tell you why it is. It's tough. It takes some time. What they did was they printed the actual tweets that came out. And each tweet talked about one thing. You have to put them all together and tie the knot in it. I couldn't find that. We'll get into that a little bit later. But right after this, Steve Baker joins us from D.C. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a... Bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. I think it is so befitting. That leading into Steve Baker, ladies and gentlemen, with could it be I'm falling in love in the background, here's Steve <laughs> Baker. <laughs> there could you go. Be, I'm falling in love. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, how are you, my friend? Well, believe it or not, I am uh, I'm once again in D.C. I'm staring out my hotel room at this very moment, and uh, here I am, back in the belly of the beast. I uh, told the folks, kind of in a warm-up, uh, I told them about our uh, our text exchanges earlier when you said, and I, even actually, I, I read it to them, I'm back in D.C. and I, whoa, what is that? <laughs> I got some bell going off here. Uh, you said, I'm back in D.C., but I can't talk to you about what I'm back in D.C. for. But I can talk to you about the fact that I can't talk to you. What the heck's going on, man? 
Well, I mean, first of all, we'll, let's just lay the, the, the groundwork for this. There was a lot going on in D.C. yesterday related to January 6th. Oh, and yeah. as much as I try to as, as much as I try to wade back into the shallow waters related to January 6th, I told somebody this the other day. I said when I was here, I was up to my neck in it, obviously, for nine weeks. And then I went home for two weeks back to North Carolina and I felt like I had waded out into the waist deep uh, area. Well, Dan, I'm up to my eyebrows now again. And, and here's <laughs> and here's what is going on just yesterday. I mean, not only is the second Oath Keepers trial happening, even as we speak at this moment, and I was at the courthouse yesterday, but I was watching not that trial. I was watching the jury selection for the Proud Boys trial. And so that's going on at the same time in the same building. In addition to that, at the exact same time was the House January 6th Select Committee who recommended the four charges against uh, former President Trump yesterday. We all saw that. In addition to that, the Senate is investigating and holding hearings on the United States Capitol Police as it relates to January 6th. Then <laughs> to, to, to just pile on even further, one of my primary goals yesterday, and I did, I was able to do this, is that Stuart Rose, the now convicted of, con, of seditious conspiracy founder and leader of the Oath Keepers, was testifying in a, probably the most important trial of them all in Alaska, of all places. Uh, of course, he was testifying from his jail cell here in Virginia, uh, but but doing an audio testimony in a in a uh, uh, civil case in Alaska related to the Oath Keepers themselves, and that's probably if you would, and probably none of your listeners are even aware that this trial is going on, and it's probably the singular most important of them all of everything that I just listed off, because this Alaska trial has to do with a state legislator, representative in the Alaska legislator, who just won a landslide election to the uh, Alaska legislature. And he has had a civil lawsuit filed, funded by Soros, of course, that is determined to invalidate his election because this gentleman... Uh, 13 years ago, joined the Oath Keepers. You're kidding. No. So they're going, and, and because they're claiming that the Oath Keepers is a terroristic organization, which of course means, as we all know that they're not, but which of course means that anybody that's a member of anything that's deemed to be uh, disreputable by the left, if this, if this case wins and then survives appeal, which it certainly uh, will be appealed if, if uh, this private lawsuit is successful. And it's a bench trial. It's not even a jury trial. But uh, if this case were to be successful, then basically any of us with speech whatsoever or with associations with disreputable groups or, or groups that are deemed disreputable by the likes of the Southern Poverty Law Center or the um, uh, ADL or any of those types of groups – we will be deemed as extremist uh, members of terroristic organizations and therefore not allowed to have a voice in the political process here in the United States. Now, let me tell you what that means. What that means, for, what, what that means for us is 
we have this guy on our show once a week that uh, is friends with those Oath Keeper guys. And because we have him on our show once a week, they're implicated. I mean, one of them was uh, convicted of uh, insurrection, which is a nasty federal crime. And this guy was in the middle of all of that. So that means I'm an Oath Keeper guy. So they're going to sue <laughs> me right. because of you. Well, you know, you're, you're a seditionist now just by talking to me. Oh, my gosh. I I can't believe this stuff like this just keeps going on and on and on. And there's no substance to it. You do realize no. that the stuff against Trump, it'll be thrown out. It can't pass muster. It doesn't. Oh, of course it, not. It, it doesn't pass three constitutional requirements. Um, but none of that matters, of course. Of course, in the trial, none of the real good stuff, the fair and equitable stuff that they preach about when they're in trouble, none of that was offered. Um, the Republicans that were on that uh, committee, which really aren't Republicans, they they were rhino at best, Liz Cheney, lost her position at the very least in the US Congress um mm-hmm. there was no allowance for cross examination on any of the witnesses no evidence could be presented by the republicans and they couldn't see the evidence that was talked about in the trial by the democrats we live in a constitutional republic and everybody's got a right for a fair trial a quick trial and trials mean everything's on the table when the trial goes on regarding evidence and everybody that testifies can be cross-examined by the other side. But now I'm beginning to think we don't live there anymore. Well, Dan, and this is, this is why I want to, and this is why I sent you the message I sent you earlier and why I want to talk about what I can't talk about. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because, because, my safety and the safety of others that I'm working with on this investigation that I'm currently involved in and have been involved in in several months now, I have been working closely with, uh, I've been collaborating with a journalist from another publication. Our editors are aware of what we're working on. Wait a Our minute, attorneys wait a are wait, aware of what wait we're minute, working on. Wait a minute, let me drop this in there. I know the organization this other person works with. Does that implicate me somehow? Well, yeah, apparently, I actually know the name. To me, if, you, <laughs> if you're talking to me, you're a seditionist. You know that, right? Yeah. We've all, we've already established that by by way of logic, and so so the point being is is that because the editors are aware of what we're working on, because our attorneys are aware of what we're working on, and we need the light, the daylight shown as quickly as possible on our activities. But it's more important right now that just people know that we are working on something big. And I will tell you this, I'll go so far as to say this, Dan, I think that we have discovered a minimum of three major cover-ups by the government related to January 6th. And so I'm saying that to you and your listeners as a, just really as a shield of protection for myself. 
Okay, explain so that. I would well imagine if I'm suddenly Arkansas or Clintonized. <laughs> at least your listeners, my supporters. I did a private um, uh, live stream with my supporting group on my locals community. I think it was Sunday night or Saturday night. Saturday night, and just to let them know that I was headed back to D.C. and in the same veiled sort of way that I've been talking to you and your listeners this morning, just to let them know so that if something happens to myself or one of the other individuals that we're working with and the whistleblowers, the whistleblowers that we're developing right now, if something happens, then the world can react to it. Then the nation can react. Americans react. Your listeners, my followers can react to that. So what and you're, and it's that, it's that big, Dan, it's so, that big. So and, I'm, and I'm not trying to be melodramatic. Are, are you through? Can I say something? Yeah. <laughs> you got a little emotional there. You were on a roll. Yeah. So yeah. what you're saying is um, if we hear that you committed suicide, you really didn't. You got suicided. <laughs> like Vince Foster. Well, said, that, like Vince Foster. That's why, that's, why, that's why I said Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Vince Foster committed suicide, shot himself twice in the back of the head. First one didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh well, a mask, you know. That's right. So, so I mean, we're we're I'm 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 excited about what we're doing, Dan. I, and and when I when I say what I've said before, I'm not I'm not living in fear. I'm not walking in fear. I'm not going out the door every day in fear. But I am looking over my shoulder every day. But it it is it is an exciting time because I believe that this truth is going to come out, and that the work that we're doing is going to exonerate some of these people that have been sitting in jail for, you know, 20 months, almost 24 months. Now, some of them, that alone, that's what I'm working on. That alone just floors me. I mean, this is still the United States of America. Those kind of things aren't supposed to happen. We have bail. I mean, everybody is supposed to be given an opportunity for bail, reasonable bail, not these people. I mean, they're in the no. slammer. They're in the slammer. And it doesn't matter what the Constitution says or the rule of law says. Throw that away because it's the government yes. doing it. Anything goes. We're talking about nonviolent individuals. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Literally, literally, literally are accused of zero violence have been held for almost two years. Wait a minute. The justification is just and that justification for it is it's the Biden administration. They can do that. Yeah. Well, this is why this is why you have FBI agents being pulled off of human trafficking cases to be part of a SWAT team to arrest grandmothers at six o'clock in the morning for a misdemeanor charge of carrying a Trump flag through the Capitol on January 6th. I know this, this stuff is just, it's just beyond comprehension. There is no plausible explanation for what any of this has happened. You just can't come up with one. And let me just say this, Steve, I get people that come to me all the time, especially after you've been on the show, they wonder what kind of person you are. First of all, I'm joking. I'm joking. So, so, so do I. Yeah. But but they hear us talking and you know us going back and forth, sharing the things that we know, 
and then they hear me listen to you, and, and then in astonishment, I'll question you like, I can't believe that's happening. I should believe I should be believing that kind of stuff should happen simply because that's what happens. You're in the uh, the the most corrupt city in the world right now, Washington D.C. You can't trust anything. I know you weren't here this morning, but we did a story just a little bit ago when the inflation, the consumer price index, came out the other day. It was announced publicly. At 8.30, and at 8.29, 8.29, one minute before it was rolled out publicly, the largest number of stock future trading happened in one minute, 13,000 trades. And, of course, the wow. stock market just boomed, and that was because the consumer price number, the inflation rate, went down. First time it's gone down mm-hmm. in the Biden administration. That kind of information is held very closely for legal reasons because if somebody takes advantage of it, which obviously 13,000 people took advantage of it, there were 13,000 trades, where did that come from? Well, there's only a handful of people that know those numbers, and one of them happens to be the guy that goes to the Oval Office every morning. (laughs) I'm not accusing the president, but obviously it wouldn't happen without his knowing it. And I wonder if uh, somebody in Seneca or one of Hunter's other uh, businesses was one of those 13,000 trades. Just saying. Yeah. Well, we certainly, uh, and we couldn't even get to, I don't think today, this, this number seven Twitter files dump that's taking place. But we, you, you, you talked about your uh, associates and your friends or people calling you and asking about what kind of person I am and what, what, I, what I'm involved in. Forget about what I'm, what I'm involved in. Just look at what the FBI is involved in at Twitter right now. This is just amazing. And if, and if your listeners have not yet read Twitter file dump number seven, I'm sure they can find a compendium somewhere else on the uh, internet if they're not a, uh, a Twitter subscriber. But this is the this is the most comprehensive uh, story thus far that's been released about the FBI's involvement with a private company, and and they went so far, basically, as to pay Twitter to not only spy on U.S. American citizens without a warrant, but also paying them for the uh, success at suppressing speech and paying them. This, and this was amazing when I read this in this uh, Twitter dump here, uh, Dan, is that the FBI actually offered to give temporary security clearances to some of the Twitter employees and actually told Yoel Roth that you can choose who those will be. You're going to give security clearances to Twitter employees just based on the um, recommendation of one of their bosses? I, this is unbelievable. I Before you came on the show, I actually said this. I wish that the sixth floor of the J. Edgar Hoover building, a few blocks away from where you are right now, would blow up. And I prefaced it by saying, 
I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking figuratively. What I meant was right. I wish everybody working on that sixth floor would be blown out of the building. In other words, given the door. That is Christopher yeah, Ray, right. FBI Director's Haven, and all of the really, now we know, nasty illegal workers in the FBI are. 41 yeah. employees at Twitter are former FBI employees. Now, it's incredible. I, I, I don't think any reasonable American would say, oh, that's just happenstance. Wait a minute. You live in Washington, D.C., you work for the FBI, and then all of a sudden you decide, hey, I want to go live in San Francisco. And so you go to work for Twitter out there. That crap doesn't happen unless it is structured, organized, and planned out. Now think about this. Think about this. All of this that we are talking about now, none of that was a big deal to anybody at Twitter or any of the instigators, if they were the instigators at the FBI, that was okay. Nobody really cared enough about the rule of law, which very plainly makes it clear what happened is illegal, and this is go-to-jail stuff for everybody that was involved in it. Of course, in the Biden world in which we live, nobody will be held accountable. But if Donald Trump smoked a cigar and stubbed it out of the sidewalk of the White House, they'd have him in prison that that afternoon. That's That's the nation that we are talking about every day. Leaders. I mean, you're talking, you're you're involved in in some other stuff, bad stuff about the January 6th debacle that took place. Every day Mm -hmm. it seems like we're pulling the blinds off of some new traumatic illegal activity that's being perpetrated by our government? Yes. How can that possibly be? Yeah, well, how can it be is because we went to sleep, Dan. We went to sleep for far too long. And we talk about the sleeping giant, you know, in, in, in World War II, they, were, they, they talked about waking the sleeping giant of the United States and bringing them in, and that was a mistake. Uh, by the Japanese to bomb Pearl Harbor. And of course it it was, and it was true, but the sleeping giant now is the, those of us, the population. And of course, I don't think we can talk about you and I specifically because we're trying to make our voices heard every day, but this massive, at least half of the population of this country, which has gone to sleep and become comfortable, become comfortable in our prosperity and I don't know if the inflation rate is enough to wake everybody out of it. I don't know if a housing crisis will be enough to wake everybody out of it. I don't know if food shortages will be enough to wake everybody out of this slumber. But if we don't wake up quick, and I mean now, because we are on the precipice now. This is, you know, look, I, I grew up, you and I, I grew up in the church and I heard all the doomsday prophecies and I heard all the revivalists come through and talk about the end of the world and the last days and the coming of Christ and, and that it was almost over and all of the signs and the wonders and everything. But I'm telling you, Dan, we are on the precipice right now, regardless of what's going on in the eschatological, you know, uh, revelation world, I'm telling you, we're on the precipice of losing this country right now. And that has nothing to do with end times prophecy because it would take a, a tremendous amount of hubris for us to believe that somehow is America, that America is exempt from going and living in tyranny uh, before the end of days. 
let me um let, let me just blow your mind. Maybe it won't blow your mind, but it will blow the minds <laughs> of people that are listening. I have collected over the last 90 days video evidence from the past in which in five different totally unrelated uh, videos, what happened in the COVID-19 and our pandemic were predicted exactly mm-hmm. as it happened. Yeah, yeah. And in one of the cases, it, the prediction was from 15 years ago. And it's all public information. And when we saw, one of them was X-Files, one of the episodes of that serial, X-Files. <laughs> right, right, right. I started to say F, F-Files. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, another, that's another file, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's way before X. Um, this is in existence and has been, it's been documented, and we have recordings of people there are very, very powerful people, not just in the government, but on the planet, that are telling us they're going down this road that nobody wants us to talk about. And we're at a place now where we've got to begin to talk about it, or all of a sudden what they're planning and have been planning for decades is going to happen surreptitiously. We won't know about it, and it probably, if and when it will happen, it's going to be too late for us to do anything about it. Like you said, we've got to wake up. We've just got to begin to not just listen to the first level of fluff that we hear or that we read in our Saturday bullet points here where we highlight the big stories of every week. It's not enough to just do no, that. Not. When you see something that sparks a question, Ask the question and go find the answer in every case. If you've got a spouse, if you have children, if you have people outside of your immediate family that you love, it's your responsibility. If you don't do it, who will? And if we don't do it now, when will we do it? Or will we ever have the chance to get the answers and then make some decisions based on the information we find. Yeah. So That's I have it. I have one big question I've been told to ask you. Okay. <laughs> Are you by chance going to be in the boot state anytime during the holidays? <laughs> uh probably shortly after the first of the year. Well, the reason I, I asked, I won't, I won't, yeah, I won't be there for Christmas, but I'll be there probably shortly after January 1st. I, um, I got asked by that, that, um, person that I live with, if you were coming because <laughs> she was going to plan her cinnamon roll dates around your being in Shreveport. So just put well, you that. You tell on. her that I might. You tell her that I might plan my being in Shreveport <laughs> around her cinnamon roll. <laughs> schedule <laughs> for those of the you don't know my wife marianne makes bread slash cinnamon rolls twice a week and no i don't eat it i very seldom even get a bite she is uh the most in demand person in our subdivision believe me she gives it away uh steve has imbibed before and uh, he will testify the cinnamon rolls yes. are to die for <laughs> 
Amen to that. So we'll do we'll do a show while you're here, and uh, you can awesome. you can describe how good her cinnamon roll cinnamon rolls are live on the air. That would be great. And I hope that by the time I'm there, Dan, I can, I can tell you what we've been working on here. Cause this is, uh, this is exciting. I'm, as I said before, and I, I wasn't trying to be melodramatic, but it's exciting what we're finding because we think that when the truth is revealed, we're going to save some lives here. Well, I can't wait to hear it. And I'll just tell you this. If you don't tell us when you get here, Ain't no cinnamon roll for you, big boy. (laughs) All right, deal. (laughs) Hey, listen, if I don't talk to you before, have a great Christmas. Are you going to be with your your kids? Yes, I will. I will be in North Carolina with my children, and they will be with me. So we're looking forward to that. Super. We'll see you next Monday. Hey, thank you. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon, Dan. Steve Baker. Live from D.C., spending a lot of time in Washington, D.C. As you heard, he'll be with us next week. Don't go anywhere. Got some more right after this. He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships, like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. While we were talking with Steve Baker, a big story just bombed down in Texas. A huge Texas National Guard presence has arrived at the southern border at El Paso as the city prepares for an even larger influx of those migrants once Title 42 ends and asylum seekers are now forced to come face-to-face with troops if they want to cross into the United States. Troops holding rifles stood guard at the U.S. side of the border across from Juarez, Mexico, this morning, backdropped by a line of Humvees. New fencing at the Rio Grande Riverbank was also erected to stop migrants from crossing after thousands came over in the last week. Migrants crossed into the United States at El Paso are now faced with a standoff with National Guard troops. What's going to happen at the border in the next 24 hours is up in the air after the Supreme Court issued a temporary stay Monday evening on the end of Title 42. That gives the Biden administration until 5 o'clock today to respond. The deadline, just hours before Title 42 was set to expire at the start of the day at midnight, Wednesday, the 21st, just four days before Christmas. I'm looking at the pictures. Uh, Daily Mail, dailymail.com, published this story just minutes ago, looking at the pictures of all those Humvees down there at El Paso. It's a big deal, folks. It's probably bigger than any of us know. 
Greg Abbott, Texas governor, sent members of the National Guard to El Paso yesterday to station themselves along the border amid the warnings that crossings along the entire border could surge to 14,000 or more every day once Title 42 ends. Texas National Guard has played a big role in helping with this migrant crisis. The troops have assisted in processing more than 1,000 illegals every day in border towns like Eagle Pass, El Paso, Laredo, and the Rio Grande. The deployment to El Paso comes after a week of higher-than-usual crossing patterns in the western Texas city, El Paso, the largest-ever caravan, included more than a 1,000 who crossed into El Paso last weekend. Migrants crossing this morning into El Paso are now forced to come face-to-face with these Texas National Guard's troops that are each holding rifles. The standoff along the new razor wire fencing that was put up overnight as well. This is a big shift from the last week when migrants were met with no force only some additional chain link fencing at the top of the riverbank to help direct the flow to the Border Patrol agents ready to be transporting them for processing. Migrants have overwhelmed the Border Patrol system in El Paso, and they've overrun the city. We talked about it earlier. They're living, not camping out, they're living in the El Paso airport. Streets laying on concrete in sub-freezing temperatures after the facilities in El Paso, both government and private, are full. No place to go. Now, we could talk for hours about this, and i got to be honest with you. I don't care how much I talk about it, how much I say, how much we talk about how bad it is. Words cannot describe what this entire thing has been doing to me. I'm a red, white, and blue American. I am a conservative. I'm not a registered Republican. I am registered in Louisiana as a conservative. I've always been a flag waver, and it has nothing to do with a political party or political philosophy. It has to do with one thing and one thing only. I'm proud of where I live. I'm proud of the country in which I live. I'm proud of the opportunities that living in this country have given me. I'm 69 years old. I've been successful in my life. I have, I'm talking about financially in business. I have fallen flat on my face in my life in business. But I and every other American Every other citizen are guaranteed the right to be able to try to achieve whatever your goals are. You can can go after those here. No other country on the planet can guarantee that to its citizens. With that comes the ability to not be fettered with massive illegal activity, criminal activity around us that is there simply because the leader of the greatest country on the planet refuses to enforce laws, refuses to hold criminals liable for their wrongdoing. And we could sit here all day 
and talk about the process. You can say it's not a good process. That's okay. You can say that. You're an American. We have the right, the First Amendment, to express our thoughts, our convictions, and our concerns about everything. Everything. And nobody in government has the right to shut that process down. And, of course, we talked about the Twitter. Dump number seven, we talked about the exposure of even more FBI wrongdoing. That's what the FBI has been colluding with the former Twitter to actually do. Shut down the exercise of the First Amendment by American citizens. If we can't stop criminality and law-breaking at the top of our government, can we expect to find a way to be on the right side of this at the end of it all? It won't happen. We'll never get it right. Folks, the fundamental is the Constitution and the rule of law. And unless decisions that are made by our government begin and end there, we'll never be able to have a fair, just, and stable government ever again. Last night, Tammy Bruce was sitting in on one of the nighttime Fox shows, and she interviewed Jonathan Turley about this. Jonathan is a constitutional scholar, and they talked about the FBI and about Twitter. You know, the FBI, Jonathan, uh, he's going, he says the FBI has to be dismantled, etc. The FBI's admitted uh, no wrongdoing. Let me start with this. They've admitted no wrongdoing. Why would they? Writing in a statement here, sir, quote, the Bureau regularly engages with private sector entities that make decisions about what, if any, action they take on their platforms and for their customers after the FBI has notified them. Fox News contributor Jonathan Turley, uh, what is your reaction to that kind of a statement with what we know now from this recent drop of the Twitter files? Well, you know, Tammy, what's disturbing about the statement is it shows absolutely no self-awareness of what has already been disclosed. I mean, it's showing utter contempt for the American people. The FBI could have said, look, we find these allegations disturbing. We're going to conduct our own immediate investigation to see if if these types of contacts went too far. And instead, they're just saying, well, we did nothing but correspond with companies. That is not what these new files are suggesting. They're suggesting censorship by surrogate, by proxy. You have dozens of of FBI agents who supposedly were tasked to go through social media. You have 150 contacts with just one Twitter executive uh, giving lists of users that should be banned, including satirical sites. Um, There's very little runway left for the FBI to continue to deny that there isn't a serious problem here. People, I think, largely agree, I hope, that while the, the First Amendment applies to the government, it also applies to agents of the government. So if the FBI uses a proxy, uses an agent like Twitter, it's still censorship. It's still a violation of the First Amendment. 
You know, what, what's interesting here, too, and I, I think that Americans are frustrated because with the FBI, they seem, whether it was, you know, the Russia dossier hoax, you know, their interference, uh, some argue in the 2016 and 20 elections, is that nothing ever seems to happen. Are we missing something that Congress can do other than have reality television, uh, you know, committees, uh, you know, every day? Is there something that can be done immediately, especially with your remarks about their statement, which effectively confirms that they seem to be fine, they knew about it, they weren't outraged or shocked? Uh, what, what are the options here? Well, obviously, it's going to take some time to build the type of case for substantive change. I don't think most people are talking about dismantling the FBI. I think what the representative is probably talking about is dismantling these troublesome components of the FBI, if there is a censorship uh, program going on. And we right. do need to look at that, but a case has to be made. This, these files are not just an indictment of the FBI, they're an indictment of Congress. Uh, Congress has shown a steadfast refusal to dig into uh, the censorship allegations. Many of us have been writing about this for years. The Democratic members have refused to pursue this. And in fact, Democratic members have pushed social media companies to expand censorship. You know, in the very hearing where Jack Dorsey apologized for the Hunter Biden laptop uh, uh, debacle, uh, the immediate reaction of Democratic senators were to tell him, don't backslide on us. We want more censorship. Well, now we have not just censorship. We have blacklisting. We have these shadow bans. All of that is now open to the public. And so in some ways, Musk has forced people to choose sides. And I think that some of the anger that you see in the media borders on self-loathing. I mean, they're having now mm -hmm. to embrace not just being censorship apologists, but blacklisting and shadow banning and also lying, because that's what we've seen for the last three years. That's a lot to take on yourself and still claim that you're a journalist or you believe in free speech. So it's going to take a while, but I cannot tell you how long overdue this is. We need to see it all. And hopefully the House is yeah. going to pursue that. Well, it can't be the entire thing. We've just seen seven dumps. I promise you there's more coming from Elon Musk. Twitter dump number eight, and it's probably going to happen during the holidays. I hope it does. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to immerse yourself in this Twitter dump number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven out now. You owe it to yourself. If you're in business, you owe it to your business, everybody that's on your payroll, and every client you have. You owe it to them to get a grip on this to demand, demonstratively demand that those in political power over us, and if you have any opportunity, and wait a minute, don't dare say, oh, man, I live in a place where my member of Congress, the House of Representatives that represents me, I can't even talk to them. Have you tried? Have you gotten a text number? Have you gotten an email address? Have you sent a letter? Have you told them about how you feel about this? Look, it's a fact. Members of Congress, they don't believe they work for us. In large part, there are a few that do. But if they work for us, 
We would be their employers. We should be able to hold them accountable. We can't do that. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my past, it's been hard to even get a message to a member of Congress that I wanted to ask questions or I wanted to get answers to specific things. There are 330 million of us. There are 535 of them. You do the math. They can't physically do anything, get anything done and answer to every one of us. But they have people that work for them that that's what they are supposed to do. Don't make any excuses. Be very specific. Be brief. But tell that member of Congress, that senator, that member of the House of Representatives that supposedly both represent you, get some answers and at least find out what, if anything, they plan to do. And don't be satisfied with them telling you, oh, it's it's up to House leadership now. Yeah, we got the House back. But it's up to House leadership to determine what, if anything, we're going to do. And I'm waiting for them. No, no, no. Leadership has the, the power regarding legislation that's going to hit the floor or the committees and what goes to the committees. I get that. But Kevin McCarthy, who's the odds on to be the Speaker of the House January 3rd, He's already coming out guns a-blazing. You need to make sure your member of the House is on board and is ready to come out guns blazing. I mean, that's what we all must do. Now, what do you think the White House thinks about the Twitter file dump, number seven? What do you think about it? Well, let me tell you what we're going to do. Right after this, we're going to go to the White House and hear exactly what the president thinks about this Twitter data that's come out that's damning, and that's being mild. It's damning of the Biden administration. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo. 
Some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways, fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Well, 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 here we are. We're looking down the barrel of Christmas. How do you handle Christmas? Christmas a good time for you? You know, most people, it is exciting, and especially when it's the kids. If you got kids, take advantage of every minute of the Christmas season. I got to be honest with you, before too long, here's what happens, especially if you have daughters. Those evil guys come in, and they start messing up your holiday schedules. We have a really close family, extended family, and for years we had a tradition. Everybody, Marianne's got three sisters, kids, in-laws, everybody spent the night, Christmas Eve, at Mama and Big Boy's house. They had a big house, plenty of room for us all. And so what that meant, the sons-in-laws, what we did, we were up late Christmas Eve putting the toys together getting all kind of stuff, and Santa Claus came to Mama and Big Boy's house. And so then these girls in our family began to marry. Oh, my gosh, they brought these guys in. And it worked for a few years. The guys were all in. I mean, they were like me, having a big family Christmas where everybody's together. I'd never had that. I mean, if we had a decent Christmas, it was just the four of us. And then when my brother went to the Navy, it was just the three of us. And nothing was nice then. That's a story for another day. But then these guys come in, and they start having kids. My girls start having kids. And the guys actually say, we want Christmas Eve to be at our house. And it was the end of my world. (laughs) I'm joking. But boy, it rocked me to my toes because they were thumbing their noses in not my tradition, but the tradition of two really, really good people that had invested heavily in the lives of all of our families. Oh, well. Guess what's going to happen this year? We're all going to be together Christmas Day. Last year, we were all together on Christmas Day in one place. And we have a blast. Look, we like to think about the good things. And I'm not saying don't. But what I'm saying is, just remember this. As you and I revel in the good things about our Christmases and the fun that we have. Office parties, church parties, going to school with the kids for their Christmas parties. All those things are wonderful. And of course, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Just a great time. Relish those. But find somebody this Christmas season and you speak into their lives. Don't just give them something. Speak into their lives. Everybody 
needs a good word from somebody that may just be a little bit better off than they are. And if you have a temptation to look at who you are, where you live, what kind of house you live in, where you work, what kind of cars you drive, and you get a little nose up in the air like we all do sometimes, just remember this. But for the grace of God, you and I would be doing the same thing, that we're thinking about taking surprise gifts over to these people's homes to make sure their kids have something for Christmas. If you're in a bad spot, just remember this. There's always somebody that's worse off than you. If you're in a good spot, just remember this. Somebody's always better off than you are. So get your nose out of the air and live life at ground level and include other people in your Christmas. Maybe this year like you never have before. I told you we'd go to the White House. Let's go to the White House and listen to the smartest woman on the planet. And just because I called her a woman and I just messed it up again and said her, I'm in trouble. Somebody's going to report me to whoever you report somebody to for gender, gendering incorrectly doing a radio show. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Corinne Jean-Pierre. She is lesbian, she is married, and she and her married spouse have adopted kids. And that has nothing to do with the fact that she is the White House press secretary. But sometimes when you know what somebody, the kind of life they're living outside of their public life, you kind of get an understanding of why they say some of the things they say. Listen to her on this questioning about the Twitter dump. Corinne Jean-Pierre. The latest Twitter file showed that the intelligence community was actively involved in discrediting the Hunter Biden laptop story. Does it bother the president and those at the White House that a government agency like the FBI was involved in suppressing a legitimate news story? Again, I'm just going to refer you to the FBI. I'm not going to comment from here about that. Uh, that was White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre with no answers yesterday, ignoring questions about the FBI uh, and the collusion with media pressuring Twitter to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story ahead of the 2020 election. Part seven of the Twitter files have been revealed. Elon Musk exposed that the intelligence community pressured news and social media outlets to discredit evidence of influence peddling from Hunter Biden, despite the FBI knowing the truth. Joining me right now is Pennsylvania Congressman and member of the House Appropriations Committee and House Rules Committee, uh, Guy Reschenthaler. And Congressman, we know that the FBI knew the truth when they were actually pressuring all of these outlets to go against it because the FBI had in its possession the Biden laptop from October of 2019. So here we are throughout the last several years with the FBI pressuring news organizations that it's some kind of a leak, and yet they knew otherwise. That's what's so nefarious about this, Maria. It's not only that you had a government agency embedded with a news outlet in Twitter, but you had them perpetuating what they themselves would describe as disinformation. They knew it was false, yet they were still peddling this conspiracy theory to the American people 
via controlling the flow of information at Twitter. It's absolutely unacceptable, and I think there's First Amendment violations at play here, too. But at the end of the day, it shows you really two things. Number one, how politicized the FBI has become to now that they, they are basically an arm of the Democratic Party when they're censoring and controlling media information to help uh, their political friends and punish their political foes. Additionally, it shows you the level of corruption at big tech. The fact that you had these social media conglomerates that the, for the whole summer of 2020 and 2021 were running around saying that democracy was threatened, yet they were allowing a government agency and government agents to, to censor what was on their platforms. It shows how hypocritical they really are. I mean, this, this is so stunning. It shows serious corruption. You don't have anybody in the media reporting this away from Fox, Fox Business and The New York Post. It's also stunning to see how the media refuses to actually report these facts. If it were the Trump era, we would be hearing this all day long. But instead, because of they are just another cog in the wheel for the Democrat machine, the media is going uh, along with it. What do you want to see from the new Congress? And this is not just the FBI. This is also the DOJ, the Department of Justice getting in the way of truth, uh, suppressing truth and amplifying lies. Well, Maria, the legacy media is never going to cover these stories because the legacy media long ago gave up on covering the news. They're all about perpetuating and putting forth their own narrative. And of course, that narrative is the one the Democratic Party wants them to put out. That's why Fox News, Fox Business and other outlets are, are more influential now than legacy media. But getting back to what Congress can do. Kevin McCarthy wants to have robust oversight investigation. You can bet that Jamie Comer, incoming chairman of House Oversight, is licking his chops at this information. Jim Jordan, incoming member of the Judiciary Committee, uh, incoming chair of the Judiciary Committee, he is ready to go. We are going to call these big tech executives in. We're going to call officials from the FBI and DOJ in, uh, and we're going to expose what actually happened, the collusion, the corruption. And then lastly, we've got to look at the intelligence agency and call in every one of those individuals that signed that paper saying that the Russian, uh, that uh, Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Right. That entire list of so-called intel experts, they need to be held accountable. And we need to see what made them believe that that was Russian disinformation when the FBI themselves knew the whole time that that laptop was credible and what was on it was actually damaging evidence for the Biden family. What is the definition of disinformation? If you weren't here yesterday, we talked about it. That's what we have got to come to grips with, we Americans. Um, it's naming things and people that are so deplorable. Um, everybody is different, folks. And just because you have an opinion on something that someone else differs with, it doesn't mean you're better than or less than, are they? Disinformation, number one, deliberately misleading information announced publicly or leaked by a government or especially by an intelligence agency in order to influence public opinion or the government in another nation. Hmm. Number two, dissemination of such misleading information. Number three, the dissemination of intentionally false information to deliberately confuse or mislead. We've been accused here 
at TNN, Truth News Network, and truthnewsnet.org, our site on which we, we publish articles every day. We've been accused of disinformation. And I got to be honest with you, I will occasionally write an editorial. It's always disclosed as being my opinion. When I write a story and I'm giving my opinion in the story, or sometimes I, even our guest writers, uh, Kelly Nelson is going to publish a story here tomorrow. It's a very, very powerful story, I'm telling you now. Make sure tomorrow morning, whenever you get up, go to truthnewsnet.org and read the front page story. A lot of what she says is opinion, but far more than what she says personally in her stories is evidentiary and she gives the background and the sources for everything she says. You got to find a way to live in that world. I promise you, if you don't, you are going to be dogged. You are going to be hopeless. You're going to be lost. We don't need that, especially this time of year. Hey, how about a great historical carol to close this show? We'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live.
Jesus, Lord, at thy birth.